Yeah, it'll fit. It'll fit. You'll be fine. Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your... That was... That was a tongue twister. Sorry about that. Remember, we're doing the polished episode. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always. The man, the myth, the horde, Alessandro Bailsi. Say hello, Al. If you mix peyote with mimosas, it gives you sonar, like a bat. <laughs> on this week's episode, we're going to touch on a, a multitude of things. Uh, we, we missed last week, so there's a lot to discuss. We've got Hobbs Sorry. and Shaw, Alita Battle Angel, BB-8 Rapping Production, Rocksteady's Next Game, the Endgame Teaser, the next Endgame Teaser, uh, as well as assorted news and nuggets from our very own Alessandro Bailsi, all before diving into our Flick of the Week. Flicks of the Week? The Unbreakable Trilogy? I feel, I feel like we're going to do a brief primer featuring the first two, okay. and then it's it's still just a review of Glass. I got, I've got notes. I've got uh, notes. I also have notes. All right. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking something that you gave me, which just sounded delightful when I opened my fridge. Damn right. Um, we are drinking Cypress Brewing Company's Lighthouse. Uh, it is an American brown ale aged on coconuts. Mm-hmm. Now, when they say that, do they mean uncracked coconuts? Like, was the keg resting <laughs> on a bed of coconuts? I'm going to need more words. <laughs> well, I'm confused because if you're implying that you have cut up a bunch of coconut mm-hmm. and then are going to age the beer on it, I feel like you would just say singular coconut. Right. Sure, this is me arguing about a very innocuous bit of grammar but i'm a little confused <laughs> what's the uh, symbology then <laughs> yes uh, as far as the nameology i can tell you that this is called lighthouse because there's a picture of a lighthouse on it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they pretty uh, much uh they nailed that one <laughs> typically i would read you a story here but this one is as much as i like the muted grays of the artwork uh it is very very um light on detail there is no story so mm-hmm. i can't read one for you other than to tell you that it was brewed and canned in Edison, New Jersey, and that there is one pint, of course, and uh, it's 4.6% alcohol by volume. So I could tell you a little bit about this, um, not specifically about the beer, but about Cypress itself. Uh, one of the breweries that's not too far from me, Kim and I found it uh, one random weekend. We decided to go to a few, and we went there, and it really small place. Uh, you go in... As soon as you walk in, there's like a little bit of a, like a, the wall on your right you could stand at. There's maybe three high top tables and a bar. And that's it. It's very small. It's, nice. um, it's maybe, uh, well, you doesn't do the listeners any good, but it's maybe uh, four times the size of my office. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's a you know, nice, tight, small place. Um, been there maybe two, I think two or three times. Two times? Would, be. would you call it an intimate setting? It's an intimate setting. I would. A very intimate setting. Um, I've been there three times. One was just to pick stuff up, but uh, every time has been a delight, a legitimate delight. It worked. Not an Alessandro delight. <laughs> so it works for you, fifty percent of the time, hundred percent of the time, exactly. So we, uh, the two times that we got that we went there and we actually, you know, we sat down to have a few drinks. Um, there's there's two of us, and there were eight beers on draft. So we just got two flights and <laughs> tried everything. And, uh, man, not a single one disappointed. And it was absolutely delightful. And this was one of the ones where it was, it's just its own special little thing. And when you drank it, we were just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and, this is, of course, this is the one that I ended up bringing home um, in hopes that we would do it one day. And here we are. So, cheers. 
That is a wonderful coconut smell on the nose. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a, it's like it's very it, it's very coconutty, and I think the fact that it's uh, I feel like most of the coconut things that I've had in the past have been like a coconut IPA or something like lighter color than this, where I feel like the brown ale here uh, is making it taste more like a mounds than just coconut. Yeah, I was gonna say this tastes like if you just gave me an almond joy, less the chocolate. Because it's got the nuttiness of the brown ale mm -hmm. and the coconut of the coconut. And <laughs> I feel like I'm <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm gonna react to that. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I just have to let it process. be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the coconut of the coconut. <laughs> Please allow myself to introduce myself. myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this it, it does it tastes like I'm drinking like minus the the, the sugary chocolate flavor of an almond joy. It tastes mm -hmm. like if I was drinking two thirds of the components of what goes into that. Um, I am a fan. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think I selected well. Uh, well. Obviously, your selection first, bringing it to our roster, was was a great one. Um, but that one just caught my eye, and yeah. I was like, "Yep, that's what's gonna have to happen tonight specifically." Um, I am a big fan. I would drink, and it's like, it's a pretty light brown ale you mm -hmm. could crush some of these yeah. if you wanted to if yeah you're so inclined and relatively low alcohol content right was it 4.6 yeah, four and a half yeah very very nice i i'm a huge fan of this one obviously that obviously it's the one i chose to bring home with me um yeah. there was a couple other ones that they had there that i was very interested in but they were uh they didn't have they weren't canning or filling growlers of them just because i think they had limited supplies of them they had a tremendous pumpkin beer and i'm a fan of tremendous pumpkin beers when i went uh with the first, when we had it they weren't said so they weren't uh, canning or or um filling uh growlers yet because they were just like they had just kind of spun up and we mm -hmm. went back to see if we can get some around the time of the pumpkin beer tasting but at that time they just didn't even have any left so okay kind of missed the window it seemed it must have been in between the time i had it and the time i went back but see, immediately i went to compare this to Maui Brewing Co.'s, uh, the coconut porter, mm -hmm. obvious for obvious reasons. Porter right. brown ale similar, coconut coconut. Um, this that beer was a porter with coconut. This beer is coconut with brown. <laughs> right. Um, not that that's a bad thing. It's just there. I they don't view them as very similar. Well, it's because um, it was it was brewed on coconuts, yes, not with coconuts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> this is your brain. This is your brain on coconuts. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, the coconut is very forward in this beer, whereas in the other one, I felt like it was like a glove fitting perfectly on a hand with the like a glove. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, I think I probably still prefer that one slightly. But this is also very good. I'm a I, I'm a big fan of this and of their stuff. I think we'll we'll be making a we'll be making a trip there together. It's it's not 30 minutes from my house, and uh, what's going to happen that night? And this is why the listeners should be interested. What's going to happen that night is it's also I believe in the vicinity of where the Arthur's that I found is. Oh, so we'll do. We are we are going to have our steaks. We're going to have our steaks. We're going to have Cypress Brewing. We're going to come home and we're going to do an episode. Okay, so this is going to be like that night we had 
when I came down a couple weeks ago, but even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Much, much bigger. Followed up, followed up by that ridiculous cooking game and that cocaine bender video game. That was ridiculous. We played Hotline Miami for a while, and Al was very angry while he was playing it, but he was also addicted to it. No, because I knew how to do it. Like, I knew how to do that fucking level, and I just couldn't do it. Mostly because the aiming was horrendous, and the shooting controls were not smart. What I loved about it, though, is as we were playing it, every 30 seconds you uncovered a new thing that you could do, and you're like, oh, 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 I'm holding somebody hostage. Which oh. was holding my interest in the game was, oh, this new ridiculous thing I didn't realize I could do. I just did. And this screen is so pixelated and over the top like an 80s mm-hmm. like arcade game that sometimes I wasn't actually sure what I was doing at first. <laughs> Where like When you were like, oh, did you just knife that dude in the throat? And I was like, I'm not entirely sure. And then I did it again. I said, yep, I absolutely did. <laughs> I that absolutely did. And he's bleeding out on the floor. Uh, quick, hit that other button. What did you do? I just threw my shotgun at his face. Why did you <laughs> shoot him? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, well, the, but, no, the, the one that really like got us was, did you just take him hostage? Yes, I just took him hostage. No, I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> and then you still died. And then I still died because there was a guy with a shotgun sitting on the couch so motionlessly so, that I didn't realize he was there. Blended in. He, and my, my he had installed himself work. into the couch. He had installed himself into that couch. Uh, <laughs> and Brilliant. My, my human shield... Um, did not protect my back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only the front. Um, the, which, fortunately, that guy basically put that shotgun on my ass and pulled the trigger. That's what we ended up playing that. Um, that was the night. That was the day you actually came down, right? We were getting, yeah, we we were getting jazzed up on some video games. We were getting excited. We wanted to play that Anthem demo. And then by the time we sat down to play the Anthem demo, things were broken. Oh, everything was broken. Just couldn't do it. Everything was broken. Uh, it worked for me the next day. I got to play... For probably like half an hour the next day, mm-hmm. uh, and then I played for maybe an hour and a half the day after that, and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, even though it was so broken that every time you tried to launch a, a mission, it would load ninety five percent of the way. You'd have to then close the game completely, yeah. then re- open the game, and then rejoin the session you were in to get past the loading screen, which yeah, was yeah. a very in inopportune way to um, handle that sort of thing. But functionally, I guess, ended up working. You just missed out on, like, you know, the story of these missions. Uh, <laughs> Erroneous. Uh, it did, I ran into a, a number of those issues during the VIP demo, and it just didn't. It just never ended up coming together. I think at one point I was walking through the little town, uh, got to my suit, got in it, and then the game just blew up. <laughs> and no, I, see, that, was, that was the only issue I had was that loading screen thing. Everything else worked fine for me. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't get to play anything during the VIP, but what the when the... The demo came around the next weekend. I got in for like 20, 30 minutes. And that it was, oh, I think what I, what I said to you earlier which was, I, I, I am Iron Man. And I loved it. <laughs> I, there was this it's very, very simple thing of just running, jumping, and then I hit the shift key and I start flying away. And I think it's amazing. And I was like, what happens if I pull out my gun now? Oh, oh, I'm just going to hover here and destroy everything. This is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, this game, if you enjoy third-person shooter games and want to play like Iron Man... Play this game. You yeah. will enjoy it. More, more uh, like War Machine. Yeah. Uh, if you have access, it is open to play on the 15th. If you don't have access, it's available on February 22nd. It's going to be a fun game. Yeah. And they're teasing all the sorts of shit they're going to be rolling out. There's, It's just a one-time cost. You don't have to buy a season pass. You don't have to buy the future DLC. 
Everything's going to be updated free and everything like that. It's a live service. The conversations were classic Bioware in the town, and they only gave you access to, like, three different people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, another thing that I'm looking forward to is not nearly as close. Uh, Rocksteady's new game, or next game, I should say. Um, there's been people have been joking about it for a while, like rumors hoping. A lot of people were hoping, and a lot of people were joking that it would be a Superman game because they did a trilogy of well, yeah, they did a trilogy of Batman games. And uh, I personally don't want a Superman game. I don't feel like that would be fun. They announced that they're. How would you ever live up to the high heights set by the N64 Superman game? Oh, God. <laughs> Largely considered one of the five worst games ever made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely wasted like $6 renting that when I was a kid. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Uh, but for this, I, I, I don't really, I'm not super into Superman. That was unintentional. Um, That's something uh, I would do. I love me some Batman, obviously. And Rock City's games, those they, they have been fantastic. And I, I adore the ones that I've played so far. And I just I can't wait to see what the next one is. And just the fact that they, they said specifically, spoiler alert, it's not Superman, made me even more excited. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to that whenever that drops. And it was that that's really all I had on that, just that they, they had mentioned that while we were in between episodes. So um, just wanted to bring that up. Well, well that's a good pivot because I wanted to circle back just very briefly to the Hotline Miami thing. Mm. Did you get that text I sent you the other day about Hotline Miami? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I was kind of half wondering if that was like a fever dream. If like, if that was just one of those random free games that like you just find on like Steam or it was on, wasn't it on Steam or something like that? I think I had... Uh, I don't know where. Oh, you know what? I got a um, I got it through Twitch Prime. It was one of the free games. Oh, okay. I was like, this is one of those games that like no one's ever heard of before. Like, no one's ever played this game. We are the first person no. like playing the game. It's got and a good following. Video review for something else, a completely different game, almost completely unrelated game. And I was like, oh my god, it was real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, a lot, a lot of people have played out. I mean, a lot of people have talked about that game. It's it's ridiculous. I actually. I played it back on the Vita. Um, I think that's where I originally played it. And then when I saw that it was free, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll download that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, eventually, I'll eventually get back into it. It's a very, it is a, that game is trippy as hell. Yes. Trippy. Well, it's made to play like you're high on cocaine all the time because you are a hitman in Miami in the, the 1980s. So it comes alongside the gun that you buy is the addiction to the cocaine right <laughs> it's just the rules i don't make them i just follow <laughs> them. uh there's a wealth of movie news i had so much that i barely have any or movie I didn't know i felt like i couldn't prioritize because we had like two weeks of it so i just picked the one and a half big movie news things i wanted to discuss that's fair so if you want to kick it off you can i will, like I will kick it off with I'm... one that is just it's just a wonderful little nugget, and it was a tweet that BB-8 wraps production on episode 9, and all well, of a sudden... I had seen a couple of weeks ago Anthony Daniels posted that he had finished too. It was just an explosion of anticipation <laughs> came after that, and, I, and now I'm just like on the edge of my seat for any and all new episode 9 information. Well then, hand off to me for my half movie n- nugget, because that's what it was. There was something yesterday sounding like it was very imminent that we were going to get yeah. the title for episode nine. 
and as of the time we're sitting here and recording it yet, still haven't received it. But by the time this episode airs, it's possible it'll be out. So who knows? So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, it does seem like we're probably getting close to it because yeah. Mark Mark Hamill was out uh, in the internet streets um, <laughs> the other day teasing it. Did you see that? No, <laughs> but I, said, I, I I love watching him on social media. Though. I know he's, he's even though he's become a, a cranky, crusty old man, he's like like a lovable, cranky, crusty old yeah. man. Um, and so he said, uh, everyone, the title was predicted pro- um, by someone in the past, it was actually predicted by Futurama. And there was an episode of Futurama where they walk past a movie theater and it says, episode nine, Yoda's bar mitzvah or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we didn't get any actual news, but I guess he had voiced someone on Futurama at one point and that's what, like, that's why he even was aware of it. Yeah. That, um, that there's like, you know, those leaks, but I, I imagine that they're, they're not actually real, but oh they... yeah, I realized that the vast majority of these quote unquote leak sites, the sites that peddle in photos of mm-hmm. people on set, those things tend to be pretty accurate. Sure. Uh, and there's physical evidence to back it up. Um, most of these rumor and leak sites about Star Wars are just making shit up. Right. Like ninety nine point nine percent of them. But one so of... I don't. I have to, like not even bothered. I don't even want to click it and give them the traffic. I don't want Google to start pushing me these fucking articles. Like, yeah, I just ignore them unless it's from an actual site that I know is a serious site. Oh, that's why I I quickly searched it, did not click into anything, but I I scrolled until I saw a description that had one in the description. <laughs> I really I really went out of my way for no reason to do that, <laughs> and one of them was Balance of the Force, and I thought that was interesting, and I would actually be okay with that title and think it'd be I've a cool close. I've seen that on in the last couple of days. It's certain, it's certainly movie. not going to be the title of the movie. Probably not. It's definitely like as as we're recording this, it's actually announced that it is. We're like son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing is, it's at least plausible. I just still don't believe that's what it'll be. Yeah, probably not. Um, either way, I am. I'm getting real excited. It's happening. It's 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 building, it's building fast. Before you know, it's going to be here, and this movie is a world. Ten months for it. I I know, but in those ten months, we're just going to get so many ridiculous movies that it's it's just going to be. It's a great year for us. Yes. Every other year generally is a great year for people like us and what we love in movies, and this is we're on that off. We're on that year. Yeah. So I'm. We had a good movie year last year. What's that? We had a good movie year last year. We had a good movie last year, but this year, it's going to be nuts. It does seem like it's setting up for us to have a lot of enjoyment. Speaking of nuts, let's talk about a movie that we do have the title for, because it is approaching very quickly. Now, I know it's one that you're probably not super interested in, but you'll have to see it regardless. And that is... Hobbs and Shaw, because I am so excited. <laughs> I saw the, the the first trailer for that during the Super Bowl the other day. It's just like, we're, like we've been ridiculous, we've leaned into the ridiculousness, now let's just fully spawn dive in. <laughs> and I, I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, it does at least look like they're having fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be complete. Now, it's a... 
it looks like a modern buddy comedy. Yeah. And I'm all for that. It's like a bad boys on crack. (laughs) Speaking of which, they're still going forward with that bad boys movie. They are. They are. Um... I'm obviously going to see it. I'm not I'm not like, excited for it because I have a feeling that it's just not going to be good. But I'll definitely see that. But Hobbs and Shaw, I'm all about. And that's that's one of those ones where, like, as soon as that's out, I want I want in. <laughs> Another one. Sorry to, to keep bringing I, I'm kind of rolling through my stuff here just because they're, they're, they're sticking up nicely. But um, so a movie that, when I initially saw the trailer, I wasn't interested in at all. And I think I've mentioned this to you before on here, but uh, Alita Battle Angel. Mm. Every time I've I see it... I've actually heard good reviews already. Well, every time I see another trailer for it, I get more and more interested in it. Yeah. And I'm now I really, really want to see it. And I'm trying to think... I feel like I saw a trailer for this movie, like, over a year ago. Yeah, there was... This was a movie that was... The release date was push, pushed back, like, six months Mm. So there's been tangible stuff to like work with with this movie for a long time now. Right. Okay. That's so I'm not crazy. No. I'm not crazy. Well, that that looks that looks great. I'm I'm very interested to see that. What um let's uh, let me let me hand it over to you for a moment. Okay. Um, I have a very substantial conversation on beer, or I have casting news for a movie. Which one do you want? Um. Beer. Okay, uh, so this Friday I made delivery of the first sale of Al's Ales, woo, uh, and got to try a decent amount of it. Finally, more than just a warm, flat sip of it <laughs> sure. when I bottled it, sure. um, and it was a delight. Yeah, like a legit uh, delight or a Phantom Thread delight. No, a legit delight, not a Phantom Thread delight. It was so good. It came out nearly exactly how I wanted it to come out when I was planning it. It's so good. I have one bottle that I will share with you, we'll do for an episode. Um, Cause that was the only like leftover I had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good though. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm excited to try that. And, I, uh, the, the, the phantom thread note though, um, I just have to, I have to clarify it no longer holds the weight that it once did because Kim and I, as we were running the gauntlet on our uh, Oscar movies for this year, did Roma take the cake? We watched Roma. And at the end of the movie, I turned to her and I said, Roma or Phantom Thread? And we both looked at each other, sighed, and said Phantom Thread. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah. All right, I'm going to have to start knocking out those things because we only have a couple of weeks until Oscars. We do. I only have one more Best Picture to watch, so I'm, I'm cruising. All right, we can discuss more of that off air, but um, yes. I'm going to have to start knocking out some of those over the next few weeks. We can pick the ones we want to do most for the next couple of episodes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, so if we want, if, if somebody were to want a beer like this, they could send a request. Couldn't we they? We can make it happen. Could they ask us? Could they Could they chat us real quick? Could they send us an email, perhaps, to flitsinthesix at spintune.com and yes. maybe get in touch with us? Or slide in, slide in one of our DMs. Slide uh, one of our DMs, yeah. Anthony's to remember. Yeah. Mine will get you the answer more quickly because I check my Twitter and because I'm the one making the beer. Fair. So you fair. can either go to at AEJ Costanzo or you can go at Alessandro B eleven eighty seven and uh, reach us there too. Um, but circling back to the beer note because that was only part one of the beer conversation. Mm-hmm. So the rest of that night, my cousin had gone on a trip to Massachusetts recently and brought back a whole slew 
of treehouse beers. Oh yeah. I know you've had some. I've mm-hmm. had some. Because um, your neighbor brings back some. Yes, he right? does. Um, Shout out to Frank. What's that? Shout out to Frank. <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, someone who works for my dad brought back a few recently too, and we tried one of those. I think we still have two more in the fridge. So this weekend, I get to try Julius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Green. Yep. <laughs> um. I had had me and my dad had haze recently. Is that the and then, purple one? Yes. Yep. Of course, it's the purple haze. Um, <laughs> and then the he broke out the real big guns. This is a special release called Double Shot. I have the bottle right here if you want to look at it. Oh dang! That's a that is some nice bottle art. Yes, uh, I'm a, I was a fan of it as well. Big fan. Um, and typically, we do the reading of the beer that we're drinking. But I, <laughs> I'm going to read us this one because I found it interesting. And I did the whole thing. I was with my cousin and his wife and we read the thing. All three of us were drinking it. Me and my cousin got a little drunk. It was a good time. Uh, <laughs> it's not someone I, uh, I get to hang out with too often. Um, but he's the only person in, in my life who I get to talk about the Islanders with. So it was a good time. <laughs> um, so this bottle is the culmination of a coffee beer project Nearly four years in the making. Double Shot, our beloved coffee stout, has been refined time and time again to achieve a beer that is as robust in its base and it is a worthy purveyor of fresh and distinctive coffee. We experience flavors and aromas of dark chocolate, caramel, milk chocolate, oh sorry, milk chocolate covered espresso beans, and a hint of citrus-like acidity. The mouthfeel is luxurious, a soft and velvety carbonation. All right. It is, in our opinion, an example of what is possible with careful selection of ingredients paired with focused brewing execution. Please enjoy this bottle fresh and in your most cherished company. I like that. So I finished it. I said, aw. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he had tried it because it's like that bottling, because all their stuff is cans. That was in a bottle. Right. Like a fancy bottle. Um, it was so particular, and he actually showed me he he still had like the little card. It was like if, like some of those places where they uh, they have really limits on how much they they sell. Like they give you a little card, and you're allowed X amount of beers per beer per person when you're there. And he showed me, oh, yeah, we bought you know they only like four of these, so I got the four. But you know you're allowed twenty of these. You know he goes, I got ten, I think. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So on, and and this one, I think you were only allowed one per person. Wow. Okay, that's cool. It was so good. Awesome. I would have. Uh, I would like to try that one day if they do another thing similar. Um, yeah, I've I've not been disappointed with their stuff. I think I only had one that I didn't love um, from them. I don't remember what what it was called, but the. But do you the, remember what the can looked like? I don't. I. I think I. I think I really like the blue can that I had. That was the one that. That Frank brought, right? Yeah. Well, all the ones that I've had have been from him. So I had a blue, a green, a yellow, and a purple. And I think I've had multiples of some of them. But mm. like they were like some were like special editions of those. Yeah, I don't remember which one the blue one was, but you and I had that at your house. I think it's like Alter Ego or something like that. Maybe that one was very good. Green yeah. was green, obviously. Purple was haze. Julius is that yellow orange color. Yeah. I think. I think that's kind of their flagship one. At least I think that's what my cousin was telling me. It might, uh, unfortunately, it might be that yellowish one. I'm not certain. Um, 
You'll have to let me know how you like it. That one I didn't try as I only had a sip of that one. Yeah. Um, but I have another can of it sitting in my fridge, so I want to investigate a little more thoroughly. Cool, cool. Yeah, nice. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad the uh, the batch was a success. The first oh, yeah. order has been fulfilled, and that makes and me it's, very it's happy. Also, yeah, I'm, uh, I have the uh, the next one to make very soon, as soon as I get some time to do it. Awesome. So that was uh, that was Ale's Nitwit, and this is going to be <laughs> what's the next one going to be called? Uh, this one actually is the um, the very merry spiced holiday ale. Oh, okay. Uh, someone requested that one um, of me. <clears throat> can you um, can you hold that order off until July, and can you just call it Christmas in July? <laughs> that would <just> be wonderful. <laughs> but I will be brewing the Nitwit again, if for no other reason than just for my own personal enjoyment. Because oh my god, I got you to call it Nitwit. <laughs> yes, I did it just for you. I have succeeded. <laughs> so happy. Hail's <laughs> Nitwit. Beautiful. Congratulations on the first order. That's awesome. Um, you can continue. Let's go. Let's go with your casting news. Hello. Hello? <laughs> Sorry. Um, the the Skype froze. The audio cut, and you were just like in a pose, like but with like motion blur. Excellent. Well, regardless, it recorded my voice, so there's no problem there. I definitely okay, see good. it. Okay, good. I thought it, I thought we dropped the call and killed the recording and everything. No, no, um, no. We're fine. All right. So I will go with my next um, one, which Anthony got a little bit of the uh, my my research on this one because I had to look up pronunciations of names because um, <laughs> this is casting news because the other day, like, it was like bang, bang, bang. I saw a couple of different things. Like, two of them was in one day, and then there was another one on another day. The Dune remake, which we have discussed briefly in the past, um, just uh, announced a whole bunch of their casting for... And it's an all-star cast, so I figured I'd bring it up. Um, So this was on Vulture. Um, New Dune continues its mission to become the sexiest Dune ever, casts Javier (laughs) Bardem. That was the headline of the article. Nice. Uh, I'm going to just read from it because it's kind of got all the uh, information in here. For those of you, including myself, who aren't uh, that familiar with it. Although this is getting me excited enough that I want to watch the original just so that I can then follow up and watch this. For sure. Um, Thank goodness the Dune cast is so large, because these updates make for some great daily highlights. This week alone, director Denis Villeneuve's adaptation of the classic Frank Herbert novel signed up Oscar Isaac as Leto Atreides One, and Zendaya as Arrakis, okay. inhabitant. Oh, sorry, as Arrakis inhabitant Chani. And as we close out the week, Variety reports that Javier Bardem will join as Stilgar. He's a leader among the Freeman tribe of Arrakis, which is the much-fought-over planet that produces the spice and houses some gargantuan sandworms. In the 1984 David Lynch film, the character was played by Everett McGill, which is a truly remarkable vibe shift for the part. Hmm. A particularly enjoyable section of Stilgar's Dune wiki page says, eventually, through Paul's leadership and the development of his prescient powers, Stilgar becomes the general of one of one who was to become emperor of the known universe. In addition to the aforementioned Isaac and Zendaya news, Timothy Chalamet will lead as Paul Atreides. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson is said to be playing Lady Jessica, his mother. Stellan Skarsgård will be the sinister Baron Harkonnen. Charlotte Rampling is the powerful Reverend Mother Mohayim. And Dave Bautista will be a nephew of the Baron. Now give us a lovely Fade Rautha. That was a request from the person who wrote the article. Okay. Um, so anyway, that 
is a pretty strong cast for any movie. Yeah. No, that's that's I'm. I don't even know. I'm I'm not familiar with the source material. I'm not familiar with the uh, the previous movie, but I would definitely be interested to watch this based on those highlights alone. (laughs) Yeah, well, the the director and the list of actors and actresses all strong across the board. Right. And I know that the book and the original movie um, are beloved as well, uh, or at least have like incredibly strong cult followings. So Mm -hmm. I am uh, curious. Seems like it would it would probably be something that's up our alley. So I I feel like we wouldn't be. uh wouldn't be upset by that at all awesome uh when is there a time frame in mind for that movie uh i forget i think they're supposed to start shooting relatively soon i, I think the movie's supposed to come out next year but i'm not 100 percent sure oh okay if you give me two seconds i can look that up sweet, sweet. um assuming it gives me the info about <laughs> when yeah when? Because wow. it's looking up the... Uh, no, because I, I was just searching Dune movie, and of course the IMDb page came for the 1984 version, Actually. which is precisely the one I didn't want. <laughs> the, uh, the, one that, the one that is out. Yes. <laughs> it felt more relevant, which will lead me to believe that the other one's not really far underway at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course it doesn't have it on IMDb. I'm sure... It's listed somewhere else online, okay. but we've oh. already wasted enough time yeah, with me that's, that's not getting right. the answer. So let's uh, chat about a little teaser. Okay. That dropped during the Super Bowl. The Captain Marvel teaser? Uh, no, not as interested the, in that one. Uh, the Endgame I, teaser. I'm already sold on that. I've been so, I'm sold on both of those movies. I don't need anything more for Captain Marvel. Uh, the Endgame teaser is the one that I'm is the one that I'm referring to. I. I, it just, I, I just felt cold and empty while I watched that teaser. <laughs> while I watched that teaser, and I like everybody looked so, so dark in that, and I think this movie's gonna be tremendous. Yeah, um, I mean, at this point, the odds of one of these movies being wholesale bad is pretty low. That's fair, but. It, it it feels primed to blow other ones out of the water. Well, I think the thing that will already have over the head of Infinity War is that this is actually intended to be... A finale an, of sorts. Something that ends yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one's <laughs> always going to be left somewhat in the lurch because it doesn't. <laughs> Avengers Finite War? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, it is an infinite war because at the end of it, it hasn't ended. So you reach like a divide by zero mm, sort of situation. Mm, okay, okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It looks there's just like some really eerie, creepy stuff going on in that, like the uh, like the poster, <laughs> like what are we gonna do that they're gone now, like that that whole thing. It's just it looks great. I'm I'm so I was like everybody shh. I would be quiet. <laughs> I need to focus, and then I watched it like twelve more times. Yeah, uh, I uh, during the game it was very loud here, and I didn't realize it was going on until it was a couple seconds in, and it was only it was like only a fifteen second or something like that, right? Yeah, it's real short. And I was like, oh, oh, I can't tell if they said or did anything actually that mattered because it's so loud in here. I'll have to circle back and watch it again, and then I didn't. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I think what was what was fun is I watched one of those breakdown videos where they really go frame by frame, 
and they uh, there was one specific one. There's a a, a band of characters walking through uh, the like in front of where like the Avengers building is. They are like in the in inside, and they're walking through, and there's a gap in the line of people walking, and they hinted that they they, they suggested that there's probably a character that would be spoilerific that actually fits into that spot, and they just erased them for, for the teaser. And, I, and <laughs> like, similar to how they put the Hulk in the scenes for uh, Infinity War, and it yeah, was actually yeah. in the Hulkbuster suit. Like, that's... Uh, and I, I kind of... I love I love that, that they actually... They, they're gonna... They... A lot, because you know how horrible trailers can be for me sometimes. The fact that they actually go through, and they're like, let's just erase this real quick so that it doesn't tip anybody off. I think that's brilliant, and they should do that well, with more that's trailers. That's what I've heard, is that... A, like... There's so much theorizing going on, and like, like some people have like, someone went and documented every of the MC, every one of the MCU movies to show how many times they've lied to us. Okay. Like wholesale lied, not like obscured, but like stuff like the Hulkbuster thing or yeah. Thor's eye and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Like guys, anytime you feel like you have a great theory about something on the trailer, you probably don't because it's probably a lie. Right. <laughs> right. Which is so, it's so good. I love it. I But that's the sort of lying I actually don't mind in these trailers, because we discussed that stuff in previous episodes. Yeah. Um, I don't mind... I, I am upset when you lie to me about what the movie's about. Mm. Um, and I'm struggling to think of an immediate one right now, but we've discussed some of that in the past. Um, I don't mind if you decide to tweak some stuff like that, with the intent of keeping it. Although I just wish, I guess I would still prefer that you just find a better way to do it. <laughs> okay. Like just give me something else that looks cool with the idea, you know, Marvel movie, we're trying to do cool looking things, right? Just, uh, there's gotta be some other scene that looks cool or some other like cut of the scene that you're trying to show me that doesn't require you to lie to me. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, just stop watching trailers, I guess. Shall we dive into our flicks of the week? I would like to start with the three of them as a whole for a second. Okay. Um, we're obviously we're going to be in pre-spoilers territory for a little bit here because I've got some stuff that we could talk about before we get into anything. Um, interestingly enough, I feel like each of these movies improves over the previous one. Every time a new one comes out, I actually like it a little bit more. Uh, the interesting about the interesting thing about that is that would mean that Unbreakable. Split's better than Unbreakable, Glass is better than Split. I think that that is actually the case as far as the movies themselves are concerned. But as far as this trilogy is concerned, Split is actually the weakest link of the storyline. And that is because it was a half measure <laughs> going in. Well, you know the backstory, right? Mm-hmm. We dis- uh, did we discuss it on air or is it just you and me? <sighs> we probably just did together. Okay, so for those who don't know, then we'll just do this as you know part of the primer to mm-hmm. this thing. Um, M. Night Shyamalan made Unbreakable. He cut the Horde character out of that movie. That character is intended to be in Unbreakable. That movie is quite long on its own. They decided it was just going to be too burdensome, so they just excised that whole storyline. And he always wanted to come back and tell that story, but he shifted from one studio to another. Different studio bought the rights. I guess it was Universal, but it was, I think, New Line or something. The the first one, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um so he made it and then tried to get the two studios to agree to allow him to use the David Dunn character 
to show that this is part of the larger universe, but had to hedge his bets, as you right. said, kind of half measure it, knowing that he may not get that approval. So the whole movie is meant to be something that can function standing alone, even though he always wanted to incorporate it back in as part of it, because that's where it was always intended to be. Right. Got the approval last minute. They shoot that one scene with Bruce Willis that stitches them together and allowed him to attain the rights to then make glass finally to have the whole three, all of them come together. Which is unfortunate because what's interesting about the three movies together to me is that they, it, it does feel like a, like a, a three act graphic novel where the second act went down this really long windy road for a very long time before coming back to the main story. If you look at them all three next to each other. That being said, I love Split as a movie by itself. I really enjoyed it. Okay, so this is the moment where I have to tell you that I didn't watch Split. Okay. But I'm functionally aware of everything that went on with it. I get the, I have the gist of the whole thing. Um, and I actually almost was just going to, because we were just struggling last week, I was going to try and just honestly read up uh, as in-depth a thing on on glass as I could and just do it based off that. And I was just like, I couldn't find anything that was good enough. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we'll just kill it for this week and I'll just watch it next week. Just didn't have time to sit down and watch split. It's all good. Um, but it didn't matter because when it came out, I had no interest in seeing the movie and I hadn't seen unbreakable at the time. So I had read and watched some pretty in depth stuff on split at the time. So I already had a good working knowledge of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, I, like, completely disagree with you. Unbreakable, I think, is, like, unquestionably the best of the three. That's interesting. I don't think that... Uh, Unbreakable is... I, I think the direction of the movie is, is very flawed, and that is because, overall, I actually don't think M. Night Shyamalan is a good director. I think that his stories are good. I think he has good ideas. I don't think the execution is great. Uh, the problem is, I think you're right... Um, he is a good storyteller in the sense that he's good at concocting up an idea and starting to like flesh out that idea. At you're right. At times he does, I think struggle at the actual direction part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But when he was required to be a more efficient director, he was actually a pretty decent one. The sixth sense unbreakable signs. Those are all good movies. Everything that came after that, that's been bad because he didn't have institutional controls anymore mm-hmm. and was allowed to become the most indulgent form of himself. Mm-hmm. And with no one to rein him in, that's where all the, all the excessiveness where he's left to do the, the thing that to just indulge in the most like wild versions of what it is that he wants to do. That's where the problems come up, I think. Okay. Because again, actually I have to weirdly disagree with you. Unbreakable I actually thought had very good direction because it was focused from start to finish. It told a focused and coherent story and tone from start to finish. And Glass doesn't do that at all. I actually really didn't like Glass very much. Uh, that's that's fair, and I can see why you wouldn't. I will say with Unbreakable, the reason for me... Well, the re- going in, I, I had seen it when I was much younger, and... Watching it again, I was interested in, like, you know, really focusing on it as I went through. And the movie overall, there are some there are some really good beats throughout it that I enjoy. But the entire movie just feels like a... Um, too slow of a burn for me. It's not 
it's the slow burn is okay, but it's not. It, I didn't. I didn't. I don't love the execution in this movie. It actually. It made. I was. I was. There were multiple times during the movie where I'm actually. I'm bored. That being said, the finale of the movie is incredibly strong. And well, that is where that is where it actually stands apart from the other two. The finale of Unbreakable is fantastic. Well, the and that reveal liked, holds up today and will hold up in the future. Well, yeah, it definitely does because I never saw it when I was younger. I just saw it a few months ago, and mm-hmm. that's what kind of set us on this path to get to this point. Yeah. Because I texted you and said, hey, I know we've kind of flirted with the idea of Glass. I just sat down to watch Unbreakable because I saw it was on TV. You should definitely watch it. We should do Glass. Uh, and then after that, you watch. You said, "Yeah, I think I saw it when I was younger. I haven't seen it. Don't really remember it. I'm gonna rewatch it and watch." Or I, you had already seen Split, maybe? I, I can't remember. No, at that point, I hadn't seen okay. Split yet. I watched um, it the week before. I saw Glass. Yeah. So the the thing is, it definitely does stand up. Um, that the the twist and the reveal at the end. Um, but I actually didn't mind the slow burn part of it because. You know what it, that I felt that movie did was it did the thing that we've discussed as what's working for Marvel and not for DC is it's not a superhero movie, even though it's a movie about a superhero. It's a completely different movie, and it was all consistent throughout it. And I was curious about the whole thing because the whole movie is just a character study and of a man dealing with an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And how that man either unravels or focuses on what it is and who he is, who it is that he actually is. And the whole time you're introduced with doubt and are waited to prove the thesis at the end of the movie, as opposed to seeing all the evidence the whole time and waiting for the person to find out himself, you're finding out alongside him. Hmm. And actually, to a certain extent, you're dealing with an unreliable narrator, right? Because he knows these things and he's suppressed and repressed these memories right. and ignored what it is that he is, right? Until the end when he finally admits to himself that he's been lying to hide this truly ridiculous thing from himself and from everyone around him because his whole life is dictated and guided by fear. I'm, I'm wondering if the perspective helps that you hadn't seen it before and you didn't know where it was going and i think i was probably bored because of one not fully enjoying it when i was younger and two now knowing where it goes i don't think the movie is very rewatchable but that's just me that's possible uh i could see where i might not be as interested watching it another time in the future Mm -hmm. um but watching it the first time i was riveted by it even though the burn is so slow that you don't actually even smell any smoke for a lot of the movie, but I was never actually bored with it because, like I said, it was there was you're introduced with doubt and they stick to that bit throughout the majority of the movie, mm-hmm. so it almost to the point it's almost like an extended Family Guy gag where it just keeps sticking with it so long until it finally commits and gives it to you. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. What's interesting though to me is that. Um... I'm probably I'm gonna continue to feel like that. Like I'm not gonna I'm really not gonna want to watch Unbreakable again. I don't think a two was more than enough times for me. That being said, there are three key points in the movie that stand out to me that I actually think are are like incredibly well done, and that is um, early on in the movie the the reveal of this this train crash and one man survives is very interesting and like 
why him and the mystery surrounding that is really cool. Even if you know it, it's very cool to watch the characters struggling. Like the families of the folks that have died watch this one guy walk out of the hospital. Like you can imagine the questions running through their heads. I think that scene is very powerful. The second scene is when uh, his son is pointing a gun at him and you as the viewer and him as the main character, you don't know the truth yet about this guy. You don't know what he is actually capable of or what he is like. And you have the mind and imagination of this kid that is, you know, he's, he knows comics. He's, he's got a wild imagination. He's not grounded in reality because of his age. And it's, it, that that whole scene is one of the most tense scenes that I've witnessed in a movie. Oh, yeah. And that is me knowing how the scene played out and feeling that way, <laughs> which I thought was, like, again, well done. And then, like I said, the last thing is the the, the reveal, the prestige, if you will, at <laughs> the end, where when we, find, when we find out about Glass, when he unveils what he's done and the way that it's done, I think actually that's probably the key is the execution of the handshake to, to, to make um, the overseer feel and witness what this man has done. Like that is like true villain action right there, which is I, I thought that was wonderful. Well, that was one of those things where I had my suspicions during the movie, mm-hmm. not and I didn't know anything about it. Um, I had my suspicions. But again, kind of like the, it, you know, it's that whole, I'm not going to give you what you want. They held out so long that I got to a point where I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong. And then it's like, nope, you were right the whole time. I was like, oh, motherfucker, you like snuck up on me again. Like, yeah. <laughs> ah, you got me. Yeah. Ah, you. <laughs> but uh, and it's, it's, on the, it's on the back of that execution, right? Where it's that way it's delivered. It's like, okay, you pulled me back in. You got me. Like just when... I thought I had you figured out and then I had changed my thesis and thought I had you figured out again. You real I you you know, you pulled the old bait and switch and we're back to number one. It was oh shit, it was what I thought all along, just not quite how. Mm-hmm. That's funny. The it's it's interesting the scene where uh where Bruce Willis is he's lifting he's lifting the weights and the kid keeps putting more on. If if you don't have that scene I think I might turn the movie off at that point. Like I'm, I think that's like I'm, I'm about ready to to throw in the towel on the movie, and then there's a little bit of charm thrown in, and I liked that. It's like a, it's like a, a heroin dealer where they just give you yeah, enough to keep you hooked. Just taste. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I think we're getting caught up too much on how long we're sticking with them, the yeah. specifics of, of Unbreakable, but we'll find out as we get deeper into our discussion on Glass. All the things I told you I liked about Unbreakable, I think Glass betrayed those things, and that's why I didn't like it very much. Okay, that's fair. I find, well, we'll get to we'll get to Glass in a second. Just touching on Split for a minute, even though you haven't seen it, uh, Split is a much more rewatchable movie, and the reason being for me is the performance of James McAvoy. So is it though? Because that's actually something I put down here. Even just I I can't even imagine if I had if I had actually got to watch these two in close succession. I, I don't know if I would have even made it through, and I would have been even more ill-tempered and more inclined to bash everything involving this movie. He does an incredible job, and I just wanted him to shut the fuck up. What do you mean? I it just he it just started to wear on me. It was just too much. 
Uh, that's we, a... need, we, we don't need thirty different. We don't need thirty different characters. Like we, we like four or five of them would have been enough. It's just so much, and he like he executes each one of them very well. Mm-hmm. It just was too much, and this is what I said when like when I was saying like he indulges in the most of whatever it is that he wants to do. Sure. Shyamalan, like, it's just too much. I it with... just starts to wear on me and annoy me. Well, I understand what you're saying about him indulging himself. I actually that I will disagree with you with uh, specifically with that character, just because maybe if it was anybody else, but I was I wanted more every time he was on screen, just because he blew me away with how well he did it. No, the first few minutes I was like, okay, yeah, like he's nailing. He should like this is like really like interesting. They just kept doing it over and over throughout the course of the movie. Was like it's just too much. Uh, like, no, I did they not did feel it, that way at all. What they did at the end where the horde starts to kind of divide itself yeah. and you get like the strongest of the ones on each side so it like narrowed it down to four or five of them. That was fine at that point. But the like oh, it's just it was just too much. There's too in much. in split you don't witness as many of the characters. Um there's he it's really a switch between three or four of them, I feel like, for the most part of the movie. Um and it, they, they, he takes his time with each one, and he's he is that character for an extended period of time. There's there's no rapid switching between them. That probably would have been more palatable as well. Uh, I the aggravation of like the the light constantly flashing a new personality into 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 the light in in glass is what I think triggers like having too much of it. And th- and that there you are you are right with the indulgence there. He was he maybe he was going a little bit too far with it direction. I was actually okay with the scenes with the light because oh at least God, that was incredible. It's, a tangible reason of, for it to be going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you and, mean like, like I, I understand what you mean. The only, I just, I well, the problem is don't, I don't worry like, about I that because like I love him fast doing and loose it. With the, I feel like it was playing fast and loose with the rules. Because like, what is the trigger for him to switch? Okay, we get like this really like firm tangible one. Each time the light flashes, he changes. Okay, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. But then there's other times where he's just like cycling through them with no trigger at all. Yeah, there was... There's a lot of instability introduced that like was bringing the characters in and out more in glass because of the situations and things that were going on, and I I didn't like feel him, that like way. I thought it actually made a lot of every time that it switched, it seemed like it made sense, or at least they were figuring out a way to to I pull them like forward. It, I didn't feel like it always did because like when like when they brought Casey into it mm-hmm. again, she's another trigger, and I understand why that's going on. But there's other times where like like he's talking to Elijah and he's just switching during the course of the conversation with no trigger. And it wasn't even flipping to the beast. That at least I would have given him. No. Well, that you probably would have... The beast doesn't come out often. Until he does. Until, well, until the end when there's more control over... Sure, but what I'm saying is, is like when they're breaking out, he's flipping to different personalities on a whim, it seems like. It's not. There is a few personalities that are in control. The, see this this particular piece of it. You probably are missing something by not having seen Split. I, I guess I don't know. It just it just seems like they set up a certain set of rules and then just chose to disregard them when it was convenient for him to show off. Basically. Now there were there's like three characters that are uh, that are mostly present. Well, it does seem Split. obvious, right? That that the the little boy whose name I'm forgetting already. Hedwig. Hedwig, um, Miss Patricia, yep. um, 
Dennis, like those seem to be three of the yes. most strong personalities. So like I get it to a certain extent, but then Dennis doesn't side with the horde and wants to keep the beast repressed. So then he's not showing up in the scenes with Elijah, but then one of the other ones was showing up. I, well, another one was kind of taking the stage because he found an opening. Like, Dennis was... Patri Patricia seems to be most in charge of the group. And then... The high priestess. Yeah. And, like, letting those in, letting those take the light who... This is... I'm, I'm like, getting way too into this. Letting letting those, like, others take the light that are kind of on board with the plan and the idea of, of bringing the beast forward and worshipping this beast... Uh, See, the thing is, like, you do have to get into it because this movie forces you to. Mm -hmm. I it, de it demands that you take it so seriously, but it doesn't take it doesn't give you it doesn't earn your seriousness and focus on it. Yeah, I don't know. I I I actually I enjoyed Glass. I I have I don't think now. Here's the thing. Overall, I enjoyed aspects of it, but overall, it's kind of a mess i enjoyed glass but overall these three movies are sixes and sevens at best yeah they're not i, I would i would probably none of them are great uh, i know enough about split that it, i it seems that the opinion on it is split um people nah. seem to love it or hate it <laughs> but based on everything i've seen and heard and i've watched sections of the movie in the yeah. past and I've read a decent amount about it, read reviews, read synopsis, all those sorts of stuff. It sounds like even that movie was kind of a mess, like tonally, even if it's a little bit more, co more coherent in the plot. And obviously the character himself is batshit crazy. Um, I don't know. It just felt Split like... Split was like the everything most was... consistent of the three movies, in my opinion. I don't see how you could say anything was more consistent than Unbreakable. It sets out something in the beginning and it sticks to it from start to finish uh, which is why i understand how you said that you felt the opposite way where, where glass was the one that one felt the most chaotic to me that it just didn't know where it wanted to settle in well it felt like the movies evolved into like the, because the whole concept early on is there's these beings these superhero types that are among us that maybe they don't even know about it themselves right so it's like well the way that they phrase it in glass is it's almost as if it's an origin story but it's the it's the almost it's coming of age of these superhero types and what's interesting to me is by the point from where we get to from unbreakable to glass is we get to the point where those characters are are finally starting to realize themselves and their potential and it is getting more chaotic it is becoming more of a superhero movie it's actually becoming more of a chaotic, entertaining craziness going on. But I it will feels like say, a Frankenstein's monster, though. It feels like it's all like grafted onto each other. I, I don't know. I I personally just disagree. I actually really i I had a lot of fun with Glass, whereas the others, uh, well, whereas with Unbreakable, like I said, I wouldn't watch it again. Split, I would probably watch it again, but mostly it's because of um, James McAvoy's performance. And Glass, I would watch again just for... I, there was an entertainment value there to me. At times, I actually... My my note that I put down on is somehow there's both too much and also not enough going on in this movie. Hmm. Like, it felt, it felt like Oasis in a desert where there's just sections where it's like... This... Where the those long sections of nothing going on in Unbreakable were an examination of the man 
and his examination of himself, mm-hmm. there wasn't that like psychoanalysis going on, despite the fact that there's a psychiatrist in the movie featured pretty heavily. There's not that sort of focus required in those downtimes. And so, you know, Unbreakable has these like, you know, these things that pop up throughout the desert, right? Where it's a little bit of action, a little bit of story, a little bit of action, a little bit of story, whatever. And Unbreakable, it's like nothing. Oh, sorry. A glass is nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh my God. Everything. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Like the pacing is all over the place. I don't. I, the thing is, I remember being engaged the watching the entire movie. I didn't. Feel I mean, that I was engaged. Way. I was sitting in a movie theater, um, but like a, you know, I'm not on my phone or anything, and I just, I don't know. Oh, that's funny. Well, the other thing is, and I, we might as well just be in spoiler territory for this. Yeah, at this point, we. You, you know, mentioned you know the psychiatrist, but she's not really. Well, no, she is. Is she though? I mean, it's hard to just make all that shit up. Uh, they absolutely did make all that shit up at the end of the movie. So here's my biggest... Here is the biggest flow with the glass. And that is this... The secondary twist slash reveal of this, like, syndicate that is keeping these heroes and villains at bay and out of the public eye. Um, that is just thrown in there at the end. Uh, not only that, but it's, like, a pretty obvious ripoff of the movie jumper hmm. that yeah that's fair uh, that it just that's that to me unfortunately is the that is what's the worst part about that movie the movie if it were to end sooner and not bring that piece of it into it i actually i think it would have been even stronger um, or con- or conversely if they revealed that earlier and gave us more time to digest it and to organically weave it into the story rather than right. slap it on at the end again frankenstein's monster um because the way it's revealed to us is so gratuitous yeah grab my hand so that you can read me and see if and i can find out if you ever believed in the thing while we're drowning you um what the fuck no that that i i will not argue with you the end of the movie is completely flawed i mean it just didn't it was so gratuitous it was frustrating. Uh, and the, here's my... And I, that one, I actually knew that that was what the twist was and that was what was coming up. And it still angered me to actually see it play out. Because I assume, I heard, oh, this twist, blah, 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 her being revealed this and that. I was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting thing. And then when it came out, I was like, ew. That's <laughs> how you chose to do it? Yeah, I, I was listening to Aaron Sorkin's writing class and he goes, you can't... You can't pull a shotgun out of a drawer at the end to solve all of the problems without showing the audience that there was a shotgun in the drawer in the first act. <laughs> or at least that there was a box of shells sitting there. Right. right, yeah. It's, it, it has no... It doesn't work. And maybe... Like, I understand how foreshadowing works. There was no foreshadowing to this Mm-mm. in the movie. Mm-mm. You, have to, you have to be able to go back and watch the movie again and be able to be like... Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, look at this. But you well, won't be able problem, to do that here. The other problem is, and this is why, again, I keep saying this whole, like, this stuff grafted on and, like, it not seamlessly fitting together. It almost feels like this thing was written by multiple different people in different rooms with just, like, where each of them were given a one-sentence blurb about what to write about. And then they had to, like, somehow stitch it all together at the end. Because that 
twist at the end introduces serious plot holes in the movie. Yeah. And again, this is why I'm having issues with it. I, I understand. I think the movie ended for me before that. <laughs> oh, and also, even with, and by, because we have to tack that on to the end of it, it suffers from Return of the King ending. Oh, yeah, it does. This, end, this movie ends four times in the final six minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. I... I don't know. I I was I loved the, I I love the ingenuity of Glass as he the way he gets them out of there the way that he conducts this whole plan. I oh, like sure. that stuff was great. If he gave me more of that, I would have been more on board with this movie. It it I, basically I, what I'm I I do want to stress there were some good things in this movie, mm-hmm. but there were so many bad things that it sours me on the whole endeavor. That's that's fair. You're. I like I said for me the, the the movie ends earlier and then I black out certain portions of the of I don't know six of the seven endings. You, you uh, know how this you know how this movie actually how you could have fixed the whole thing and made me less angry if he's drowning in the puddle and she's walking by and you can't tell if she's like sad or revulsed or whatever and he reaches out just you know in the yeah. panic and just touches her and sees it and then we don't get that thing of her yelling, did it almost work on you? That would have actually worked really well. Yeah, that would have been that pretty That would have cool. been a good twist. And then we don't get that idiotic conversation at the end. The second of the conversations where she's reaffirming the whole thing that we already like were told in that Flash thing, you cut that section out, and then you jump right to her in the, in the comic book store and then get that ending that we actually got at the end. That actually would work okay. I'd be okay with that. I would be okay with that if we also peppered throughout the movie r- doubt and a, a possibility of this being the case or a way to actually draw that conclusion on your own or go back and find the clues. But there's not. That's my biggest problem with it. Yeah. Uh, it's just messy. <laughs> it's, it's messy. The problem is this was written and directed by one man, but it feels like it was written and directed by a, a team of people. It's unfortunate because I feel... I, I I went into this movie wanting to like it, and I came out not liking it. This wasn't me going in... You know, sometimes you get colored by skepticism. I wanted to like this movie. I genuinely enjoyed Unbreakable. I wanted to like this movie, too. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. That's yeah, that's that's fine. That's fair. And that's really funny because I, I enjoyed Glass, and I would watch Glass again. But I, I I'm... Overall, I'm not thrilled with Unbreakable. <laughs> Well, the thing is, this probably does have better replay value because there's more things, yeah. like big showy things that happen in it. But it's a worse movie. Glass is is a more entertaining movie, um, with a lot of flaws, but it's entertaining. Unbreakable, like I said, three, four great scenes. The slow burn is too much for my. I do not enjoy it. Would not watch. Well, it. I mean, if that's not your thing, it's not your thing. It's okay. Yeah. But the, that, that's what I'm saying. It has a singular focus and it executes it all well and it's coherent from start to finish this movie is none of those things <laughs> i you use just the right words that i can't disagree with you <laughs> it's start to almost finish i was okay with it <laughs> <laughs> like i said though at the end of the day sixes or sevens at best sure um well, let's let's so let's get into some more. So, I I will go with another thing. It's more actually a question I had, and again, okay. this is why like kind of just inconsistencies. Yeah. Um, 
were they abusing glass or not? Uh, While he was incarcerated in this psychiatric hospital, was he being abused by the no, or not? That was that was definitely confusing at that point. I, I'm assuming you're referring to the scene where the guy says that he's gonna like he he drops the flashlight. I guess maybe they, like they are they are af- I think they're like afraid of him or confused by him and don't fully understand him. I don't think they were necessarily abusing him. Well, because this is how I experience it, right? You have the first scene where she's come in. She's, it's obvious that she's being brought in specially. She wasn't attached to this hospital at all times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first time we actually see Glass in there, uh, I don't remember the name of the the orderly who comes in to to feed him. You see Glass's hand, but you're watching the whole scene from his perspective. So you, you know you're watching him, but you don't actually see him really. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, she says, we, you know, she gave us a whole big talk. We have to be nice and this and that. You and I have always gotten along pretty well. And he actually seems to be a relatively decent, like, caring guy. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know what? Scared of this guy. Even though we know he's probably not much of a physical threat mentally, we already know there's the thing with the blueprint, right, where he shorted at the thing. That's mm-hmm. why they keep sedated. Okay, great. And then you get the scene with the flashlight. But they give you that horror movie, trippy, I'm not entirely sure if I trust my own senses thing. I'm okay with that part of it, right? Because, well, that's why I was like, okay, maybe we. Well, this is why she's that good at her job. She senses there's something going on, right? Where she says to him, because then he says, I'm going to drop the thing. And then he drops it and catches it. And it's just testing him, right? Mm-hmm. I understand that because, okay, this guy's so smart. Uh, maybe I don't believe it. Somehow we found him outside of his room, right? You know, all yeah. this stuff. Um, so I'm all good with that up to that certain point. And then there's a the thing where he murders the other orderly. And I don't remember exactly what it was he said, but he says something and it's like, and talking about how, and then later he's talking about how we've been abused and this and that. And I'm like, when did we establish that we were being abused? Because if you were being abused, you would have been broken all the time. I think he means the fact that he's in there in general. I guess I, I don't know. It just, but the thing is, no, that's 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 fair, and uh, I can see why that would be confusing because I definitely I definitely questioned it with the with the flesh. I think I was like, oh. Lenny Bruce, I don't want you to be mean. And the reason uh, he played Lenny Bruce, he plays Lenny Bruce in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I was like, I don't want you to be an ass because I, I like you in that show and I want to like you in all the things. <laughs> and and uh, But then it wasn't clear to me that he was or wasn't. And then he died and I was sad. So I was like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's okay. Should I feel that way? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't, it was just an, kind of an inconsistency. Um, and then another thing, again, like I'm talking about like, inconsistency stuff and stuff that kind of threw me or I, I actually honestly just laughed. And this is something probably that comes down to editing. It feels like, and I don't know about the, 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 his, like the, the lifespan of making of this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it faced substantial reshoots. Uh, and if it did, if those reshoots were for clarity or if they were because they were forced by the studio, I don't know. So there's the whole end sequence, right? Where we find out that she is this she's not who she claimed to be right and she actually works for this shadowy organization that is trying to suppress the knowledge of superheroes and villains etc cetera, etc cetera. and she says oh we're not actually evil because we don't side with the good or the bad we are trying to suppress the knowledge of all of you and i can actually understand that it's the kernel of an interesting idea for this whole movie if it had been introduced earlier in the movie the problem i have <laughs> with it is she does this whole thing where it's like did i have you convinced did it almost yeah. work which Super weird. We already established that. Then she 
rather like they could have just incarcerated him and made him disappear, right? Instead, they murder him in a puddle. And then a uh, screen time wise, it's I don't know, two, three minutes later, we have the scene where she follows up with their shadowy organization in the restaurant. And she specifically says the words, we're not executioners. <laughs> the hell you're not? <laughs> you just executed the shit out of Told him. Told you, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you on the end of the movie. The end of the movie was, was bad. <laughs> I, like, I, I like guffawed at that. I was like, oh, what the fuck are we talking about? You say things. I wonder if that, I, uh, maybe that, maybe that line, maybe that whole scene was meant to be early in the movie <laughs> and give us a hint that, this is what was going on. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is this something that just suffers for editing? Because if that be. was originally intended for earlier in the movie, and then we come back and we find out that that pledge was a lie, right? Because you said the whole prestige thing, right? The same thing, right? That That's the pledge, and then the prestige yeah. is what we found out at the end. Is that it is all a lie. That works narratively. I'd sure. be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not, I, I, like I said, not going to argue with you on the on the final six endings. <laughs> they weren't they they weren't strong the what was strong it was very fun to see the beast just destroy glass though that was fun to me what oh, was yeah. not fun to me the tilt a whirl scene i don't think i could watch that again that's oh, that, that was, was brutal cool. i i felt i felt myself breaking inside <laughs> while i watched his bones break and it was terrifying <laughs> yeah uh, no um i'm i'm well it was it was an, an interesting scene, um, and it fit well with some of the characterization that was done in here. But yeah, no, it was a functionally it was a tough scene to watch once you saw where it was going. <laughs> um, speaking of poor cleanup jobs, the the death of Audrey Dunn is oh. it just is it just because they couldn't get her, or they didn't know how to fit her into the story? So they re and they oh, realized no. when they were finished with it, they were like, "Oh crap, we forgot about the wife." We should write her out. <laughs> like, no, what happened? A hundred percent. She laughed them off the phone when they asked her to come back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's who Robin Wright is. Yeah. Like, she doesn't. There's. I, she doesn't there's need something. this shit. <laughs> well, yeah. Um. There's. I think there was something else. I don't remember what. They I, called her up. They pitched it to her. She said, "As you wish," and hung up the phone. And they said, "She's not coming." <laughs> Now, you know what? I think there's something else that I've watched in the past couple of years where, like, I feel like it was it, with her, again, where it's like, she's just not in it, even though she should be. <laughs> I don't remember what it was now, and it's going to piss me off. It's going to have to be something I'll have to look up once we're done recording. But, no, I just think she, at this point she's reached a stage in her career where she's earned enough and she has such – oh, commercial for Forrest Gump just came up. That's funny. Gen hmm. uh, <laughs> A. Uh, yeah. Um <laughs> Where she just, she's just not gonna do what she doesn't want to do. Right. No. That's uh, which you know, kudos, respect that. Also, oh, sure. yeah, she hundred percent has earned that, and I don't blame her for not wanting to be a part of this because even if she was a part of it, she'd probably, probably be a bit part anyway. Probably a good move on her part. The thing is, the writing her off as dead was unnecessary because they were they had a rocky marriage to begin with. They could have just played it off that it didn't work, and obviously this kid was gonna side with the dad because he was infatuated with the fact that he's a superhero. Yeah, but the way that the story left off at the end of Unbreakable, they had clearly reconciled. And this works better to do the whole, oh, fuck, what's the line from Wedding Crashers? 
haunted man or haunted past, you know? <laughs> and also to further drive him and the son to be closer and closer together because they had that thing to bond over. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, what I did love was having the same actor play the son years later. Yes, I like that too, actually. That was, that's a nice touch. It's good for continuity. They did the, uh, they did the boyhood approach there, <laughs> except it wasn't their intention yeah. from the start. <laughs> no, it was cool. Um, I also... Sorry. I, oh, sorry. Yeah. I like the no, interlaced scenes of Unbreakable in yes, Glass. Yes, that was actually that, well done. I like that. was that. well edited. That, um, that was a yeah. good edit as opposed to potentially the end scenes, which we think well, so should have came earlier. That's the thing is, I alluded to it, and we didn't really specifically get into it. If that is something that we'll hold is true, that that was designed from the start of the movie, that she is this person from the shadowy organization mm-hmm. whose job, sole focus is to suppress superheroes and villains so that people don't know about them. Again, that makes for an interesting idea for a movie. But if that's the case, then she was woefully unprepared, making this escape very easy for them. And the thing is, you could, uh, you, I, could un- I could see the argument from someone on the other side saying, well, she doesn't want to tip off to them. The whole point is she's trying to gaslight them into not thinking that they are in superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is, all that security and all these these fail-safes could have been things that she put out of sight, out of mind, right? All the things we see, and actually even there is kind of an inconsistency, right? They put the thing with the water. If she was trying to convince them that they weren't superheroes, she never would have set up the thing with the water. If she's trying to convince him that he isn't this multiple personality guy with the beast, she never would have set up the thing with the lights. You know what I mean? Well, maybe that's your only that's your only thing to show like an inconsistency with the character, which is a good thing to show inconsistencies with her because she is putting on uh, she's putting on a show the entire time that she does believe that they are who they are. But it's the thing that you said like as half measures. Yeah, if she was gonna go through all that and she put up all the cameras, she would have had a failsafe to this where she could have mobilized people like that. And they never would have made it outside the building. And then still, she's got to make multiple calls. They're, if they had ever actually intended to get away from the building, they would have. But they never were intending to get away from the building because this was all part of Glass's plan. Mm-hmm. If they were ever actually, if Glass was ever actually planning on having this fight stage at the Osaka building, they would have gotten there. Right. Because she didn't have sufficient backup. The only backup she had was two unarmed security guards who are calling for help as he's charging them. That was so stupid. <laughs> Again, this is so stupid. This is these are big this is a big plot hole. Yeah. Uh that that character is is poorly written. Yes. Um and And well, I just and I just gotta say I don't get the I don't get the Sarah Paulson hype. Like people love her as an actress. Mm. She does some scenes in, in her stuff that are she does a really good job of. The problem is she always sounds like, no matter what she's doing, she always sounds like she's on the brink of tears. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And it just irritates me. Mm-hmm. And as someone, I mean, I hate my own voice. And maybe our listeners love my voice. I don't know. Um, 
So it's not exactly hip- hypocritical. I hate my own voice, so I have every right to hate your voice. <laughs> not, not you, another person's voice. You I just it. can't no. stand her voice for whatever reason. It's the same thing we talked about with what's her name. Um, I can't think of her name. How do you, say, this? How do you say it? Ba- Basinger? From Annihilation, the one who played Dr. Ventress. Oh. Why can't I think of her name? I know, I can't either, and I'm usually good at this stuff. Yeah. I go to you for this stuff. If you can't do it, we're lost. We're done. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Is that her oh, name? yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. It's just whatever. That, again, that's a character that there's a lot of potential for. Like, I, I wanted to be interested in that whole story, and at times I was. Um, but it just, I don't, it just didn't work. It just doesn't... This movie is less than the sum of its parts. I disagree, but I don't think the parts that you're summing... Again, <laughs> sixes and sevens are best. <laughs> Uh, well, because it seems like you really enjoyed the movie. That's why I did. I had I had a lot of fun with it. I, again, I do. It's it's not if I'm if I have to actually critique it and give it a legitimate like rating. I I couldn't defend it the way I'm defending it from my point of view of enjoying the movie. Like I said, the end of the movie is bad. The the I don't. It, it's silly and it doesn't make sense. And if you wanted to do that, you could have done that. It could have been cool if you had enough things structured throughout the movie to get us there, but they didn't get well, us I'm, there. Well, I'm frustrated in this movie because it has aspects that could have made for a good movie, and mm. it's not. It's not a good movie. So I'm frustrated that it's fallen short of what the structure was there to have. Um, I Is there any other things, good or bad, that you want to talk about? Because I still have a couple of other things, but I feel like I've been dominating this so Two far. Two scenes that I want to talk about. They're very quick. Um, one of them is when Glass slits the throat of that one guy i know it's gonna happen i know yes. i don't know exactly what but i know something's about to happen and i still jumped 16 feet in the air oh yeah that she that scene was shot very well yeah it was that was that was well done and then showing the true terrifying performance of samuel jackson rolling away and just kind of talking to this guy as he's dying was just that was extremely unsettling and i think that he plays an incredible villain oh yeah so I mean, he's good. just a good actor in general yeah for sure and then the other the other thing is when the beast says rejoice i feel like i could crap my pants <laughs> because that also scares me and like when you have a scene that is that is terrifying and kind of gives you chills in and the scene is shot in daylight it's a it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good indicator that it's a scary scene (laughs) also m night Shyamalan was playing the same character he played in unbreakable right correct that was a nice little touch oh yeah i liked that that was good well because he because he shows up in the in the security office like oh there's his random cameo. Let your dad um, take a walk, he, dude. <laughs> yeah. And then they start talking and he says, do I recognize you? And I was like, oh, that's right. He was a drug dealer. The first time we see him use like the power where he like gets the sense. It's like, oh, that's a nice little bit of like uh, of synergy. I like that. That didn't make a ton of sense, though, in that scene. Was it that the, the scene with him with the drugs in the garbage was a long time ago? Yeah, it was 19 years. No. So in Unbreakable... 
when he bumps into him and thinks that he's this drug dealer and doesn't find anything on his person, is it because of the scene of him actually grabbing the drugs or putting whatever he did in that garbage can? Is that actually not at the same time frame of him bumping into him? But he did find it on him. No, he didn't. No, no, he 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 finds the drugs at some point. No, they were in the garbage can. No, he's that's that's the that's what he sees. No, because at at some point in that you see him feeling in his own pocket. He pocketed them. I, who pocketed them? David Dunn. So he just lets the guy go in. Yes. I did not. I did not see that. I don't remember exactly how it was executed, but yes, the whole idea was that's the first point he's tr- the first time he's trying to allow himself to believe in the whole that perception thing, uh-huh. and he still doesn't want to believe it, and he doesn't he doesn't pursue it because then he'd have to explain how it is that he found the whole thing, and it wasn't going to add up. He's still trying to hide. I thought that he was just wrong. No. If I, I, don't, I don't think so. I would unfortunately need to rewatch the scene, and I'm not going to do that. So, well, you could probably find the scene where you didn't have to rewatch the whole movie, and you could <sighs> probably sit through the four minutes of the scene. Could I though? Uh, yeah, because that's one of the few interesting things that's going on before the end. All right. Well, I don't. <laughs> I still don't think I. It, I don't. I, I didn't think that that's what happened. He lets the guy. He he pats the da- guy down and lets the guy go in. He does. And the guy doesn't seem... He seems annoyed, but not... Not annoyed enough as if, like, you just took my drugs, dude. I don't, I'd have to rewatch the scene, but I think the whole crux of it was that he saw... He found the drugs. But I don't think he gets it off of him. I think he got it in the bathroom. Hmm. I don't remember him going back to the bathroom. Weird. Anyway, I might also have the scenes um, out of whack because it's been a few weeks, but still. Um, going back to James McAvoy for a second. Okay. What's amazing to me, and which is why I think it's an Academy Award-worthy performance, <laughs> is it's not just voices. He flips between those characters, and you see it first. And that is insane to me that well yeah him him touching his chest as miss patricia is is like one thing like he does like a very he he like does a very feminine thing with his hand and like he kind of like almost buttons up and he but he like he makes himself taller and skinnier when he does it and then well that's also good photography it it, sure but it's it's the way that he moves his shoulders they in. Him, they almost make him look like he's hulking, where he gets bigger. Yeah. When he becomes the, the beast. beast, but it's just that they're panning the camera down. Yeah, for sure. But still, any of the any of the the characters that aren't unrealistic, he flips between them with certain postures and head movements and and like ticks. Yeah. And to see him and start to be able to pick them out, like before he even says words in the voice or accent of that character. That's incredible to me. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's why I say give this man an Oscar for that. Um, <laughs> he, what was, what was hysterical to me was when I opened up the IMDb listing for Glass before the show, I laughed out loud because the first character listed is James McAvoy as Patricia, Dennis, Hedwig, the Beast, Barry, <laughs> Heinrich, Jade, Ian, 
Mary Reynolds, Norma, Jalen, Cat, BT, Kevin Wendell Crumb. Great name, by the way. Mr. Pritchard, <laughs> Felita, Luke, Goddard, Samuel, Polly. I don't remember half of those, but, but just the fact that they were all listed out there, I thought was pretty great. Well, and actually, it was even better in like walking out of the theater as the credits were starting to roll. And they have it. Oh, yeah, the list, they had the list. And they have a parenthetical <laughs> with, or, or a, uh, not a parenthetical, a bracket. Like, yeah. With his name that with you know, James McAvoy next to all of it, I was like, okay, you know that's kind of cool. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I I just I he's fantastic, and I I think he's a great actor overall. Yeah. Um He was on last week's Saturday Night Live. Oh really? And so I'm not sure. Have you ever heard him in an interview? He has a very thick Scottish accent. Yeah, I know what he sounds like. And he does the they they did a they did a skit on there where. Uh, one of the Kardashians, air, air, like private jets, is flying around Scotland, and the I guess the pilot has passed out or has been knocked unconscious, and one of the crew mem- one of the people on her team is trying to fly the plane, and they're talking to him at air traffic control, and he's using like slang and commonalities <laughs> in Scottish, <laughs> like it, with that like that ridiculous like amazing Scottish accent that he has, and. He, he talks and talks and talks and talks, and the pilot goes, or the, the guy trying to fly the plane goes, what? <laughs> and this goes on and on <laughs> numerous times, and then I forget where they fly afterwards, but he, like, he, was, he was so much fun on that episode. Um, another thing, he, I, one of the things that I love on Saturday Night Live is when somebody does something funny enough to get somebody else to crack. And sometimes it can be too much where like when Jimmy Fallon used to be on it, I feel like he cracked all the time. But when you get the host to crack the way that they did during the final skit, which was a couple comes back from New Orleans and they like pretend like they're natives, <laughs> and one of the one of the guests at their table that they're talking with actually grew up there, <laughs> who thinks that they're being ridiculous? But he, uh, they, he, um, Keenan delivers a line just so quickly that James McAvoy cracks, and he's he's really trying to hold it together, and that is. I, that's why I love to watch Saturday Night Live. I love to see these actors that I love on the show and like having fun and then a moment of like just being very real, like where you can't hold it together because it's so much fun. I love bloopers. I love gag reels. Like the, that's like probably my second favorite thing next to the movies themselves. <laughs> it's very entertaining and it's worth a, worth the watch if you can get that. Yeah, I'll see if I can find that one if it was a good one. I, I don't really watch... I watched a little bit when I was in high school. Yeah, I could I could save it for you. So if you're next time you're around, I could I'll show you the clips. Mm. Show you the highlights. Play the greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's I mean that's that's pretty much it for my notes on on this movie. I don't think I had anything else. Um, the, only, the only other thing was um, I'm curious, or I was curious during the run of some of this. During Unbreakable, it felt like M. Night Shyamalan was kind of in the role of Glass, where he's this person who has these feelings about these comics and stuff like that, and he he wants that his imagination to be sated, right? And that there is such a thing as these real superheroes, right? That was how I interpreted that movie to a certain extent. Would you agree or disagree? That was how you interpreted... Unbreakable. Unbreakable. That that's how he actually felt? Yes. 
Mm. No, I, I mean, no, I didn't really, I didn't think about that much at all. Well, how, I mean, how did you experience the movie? Unbreakable. What did you see, feel like the thesis of this was? I thought it was take an interesting concept and pretend that it became real in our current day. So you're kind of agreeing with the, what I just said then, right? I'm not sure because it sounds like what I, what I understood you say was that that's how he act, like something that he actually believes. No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> the purpose okay. of that movie that he that Glass is a stand-in for M Night Shyamalan. That that's his point of view in the movie. Right? Oh, Where it's... okay, gotcha. Okay, yes. Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> I thought you meant that like M Night Shyamalan really believes that. I was no. very confused. <laughs> you know, a lot of times there's right there's. There's a certain character in a movie who is supposed to be from the point of view of the viewer, right? You know, a lot of times yeah. it's the one who's kind of following along with the adventure or whatever. Um, and there's a lot of times, not always, where a certain character is from the point of view of the director, right? Yes. Telling telling the story. Um, okay, so no, we're on the same so page. Yeah, we're on the same page. Glass is the director's point of view. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so it's good that we can agree on that then because means that we I think we were right on the the right gist of, of that, the whole purpose of that movie. Um so I'm struggling so that I to me that would mean that M. Night Shyamalan, the person, has a certain reverence for comics and superheroes. Sure. So Glass then to me presents me, the viewer, as a problem. Well sorry, not as a problem, with a problem. Presents me with a problem because you, the viewer, you're a problem. <laughs> as we discussed, and we don't want to get into now. Sometimes viewers are the problem. Um, <laughs> Last year, uh, <laughs> wasn't going to go there. <laughs> anyway, <in> my throat. <laughs> um, the climax of the movie, prior to the stuff with the shadow organization, mm-hmm. the climax of the movie felt to me like M. Night Shyamalan was having an adult temper tantrum. What the hell was that? Um, it was a bing. <laughs> the thing is, it, it I thought it came through the headphones that I have on. It, well, it came through my headphones as well. As well clearly, it clearly did not. Tell me more about this temper, temper tantrum. <laughs> um... So we spend all of Unbreakable where it's like these comic books are important. They're a certain sort of visual history for us, documentation of these incredible things, these incredible beings, um, and that I believe that they're kind of meant to be an indication to us that these things are real. Okay. Again, that shows a certain reverence in this and that. We get to a point where the doctor, and I can't believe I can't remember her name. Is it Was it Ellie? Yeah, Ellie Staple, Dr. Ellie Staple. She's whining about how much people are paying attention to the whole thing with the Comic-Con, the people paying attention to this uh, and that. Yeah. We get to the whole point where, you know, so, like, we get to the point where, like, the whole movie was like, we can't have nice things anymore. We kill off all of our leads. Everything's about hide the superheroes, suppress the superheroes, this and that. It felt like 
you know when there's like kids on the playground and one of the kids brought the basketball and then he doesn't get his way and then he storms off and brings the ball home with him? Mm-hmm. That's what the climax of this movie felt like to me. Because he was going to storm off with the beast and destroy people or destroy things? Mm-hmm. I don't really fully follow what you're saying. No? <laughs> I don't get no, what you mean. It felt, like, it felt like Unbreakable was his love letter to what he felt like comics were all about and that this okay. was that this movie was a testament to it was it was meta in the sense that where superhero oh, movies okay. I, I, I follow you. have gone it yeah. felt like it's like you know what fuck you you don't get your superheroes I'm killing them all off right. no one gets superheroes anymore fuck all of you. Okay. That's that is a way to look at it. I don't. I don't think that that's what I, I. I didn't see it that way. It felt more like what they were trying to do was um, a very comic booky thing of we've had the villain the whole time. Here's the villain. The villain's big and bad. And maybe on a meta level, you are correct. But they were really what he was trying to introduce was a bigger villain at the end, and it just fell flat. Um, well, it does. But yeah, but through the gonna... through the lens of somebody that was yeah that they were like trying to squash the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Because, well, we're not getting another movie, so... And and this is a... Like, it felt old. A lot of the stuff with the, the superhero stuff felt very pedantic. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was a limited run. No, this isn't a limited run. It's an origin story. Well, who the fuck's origin story is it, is it if everyone dies at the end? We're not left with some other hero who's on the rise, then. If, it was the, if the whole thing was supposed to be a setup to... Like, if we got, uh, like, the way The Last Jedi ends, where you see the little kid have manifest the Force... Yeah. If we got something like that at the end where someone watched the video, we get the thing the we get the the satisfying conclusion of everyone sees it, everyone knows the truth now, and the three people who've been left behind by the people they love, um, have them have each other to bond with uh, through this time of grief, right? Mm-hmm. If that all ended with something like that, where it's some kid or some person realizing that that, that thing they thought about themselves was true all along, that actually could have kind of worked. I. I actually liked the concept of it being an origin, but like not an origin of a specific superhero or character, but the origin of the the age of superheroes. I guess I don't know. So, and just, unveiling again, that it to the world kind of... and having it on every screen and stuff. There's definitely it's like trying to point out like there's there's probably people out there that feel alienated that know like that they have some sort of special ability, and this was on like letting giving them an, an out to unveil themselves to the world if they if they chose to. I, I guess I don't know. That's what, some of this stuff just felt wishy-washy. Some of it felt inconsistent. Some of it felt straight up pedantic. Like just like this, you know, this is the part where this thing would happen. Now a couple of things played for like jokes, and I actually like kind of fourth wall breaking jokes, and I was actually good with some of it. Like the scene when um, Glass finally reemerges as Glass, right, with the purple suit, mm-hmm. and the orderly comes up and he says, "This is the point." where you would look confused, your eyes would get huge, and you'd have confusion bubbles over you. And yeah. at that, as that's going on, the beast is coming down. That actually worked for me. I liked that. Mm-hmm. But some of those types of things came off a little bit pretentious and, like, don't work in, like, the kind of the, like the fun wink-wink-nod way that a Deadpool line would. Because that, like, that line that I just said is, like, out of the Deadpool school of it, yeah. these things. And I, I was good with it, even though it wasn't the same exact outright thing. We don't literally wink at the camera well, there. 
that falls in line with your consistency issues that you have with the movie. Yes. Um, it's just, but the big thing for me was it, it just felt like it got bitter all of a sudden towards the, the climax of the movie. What I... Like, what? I felt the tangible frustration of Shaman like, spill onto the page here hmm. in, like, a way that felt kind of small. It just... It just felt like he just fumbled the ball at the end. Like, I, I, the... I liked... I actually really liked... I'm glad that you brought up the limited edition origin story thing. I, that was one of my favorite parts. I enjoyed what they were saying there. And what I think... In my mind, how I want that movie to end and how I will picture it ending <laughs> for time to come is all of that happens... Maybe they they shoot these people and take them down. Um, they face they think they're too dangerous. Maybe a more realistic reason for them to kill them, like they can't hold them. They want to make sure that they're off the board. They kill them. Um, let's forget about this whole secret society thing because that was bullshit. I know, um, and that's that's not even part of all this stuff that I'm talking about. No, I know. But uh, what I'm saying is, I, what, my, for my ending of the movie, though, what happens is all of that goes down. They they end them all, but then. They think they have their hands clean. They think the whole thing's cleared up and they, they contained it. But we see the video go out. And that, to me, that would have been a... I would have loved that as the ending. Yeah, and that kind of is in line with what I said, whereas they cut the gratuitous thing where she yeah. grabs his hand. And they cut the second scene of the society all gathered together. And then they did the rest of it kind of the way it was. I would be okay with that, which is kind of in line with what you're saying there. Yeah, if they, if they made it that she was actually convinced like she was a really just an incredible psychiatrist and absolutely did not believe them refused to believe them and couldn't believe them and then when found out that it was true decided okay well i have to wipe this out because this is unacceptable to me because i can't it does it's not logical that would have been awesome yes that too would have been much more <laughs> coherent than what happened yeah <laughs> um, and, and this is kind of again what i was getting to i i mentioned it briefly before um and i don't mind getting into it a little bit more here is the whole thing with like the weird similarities this had to Jumper, which is a really weird movie to have a lot of similarities to. <laughs> um, the whole secret society hunting them down thing, also coincidentally had Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, having that organization where, because she said, you know, oh, we don't view ourselves as evil, because we don't side with the good or the bad. It's just, nope, no one gets to have any of you, right? right. That sort of thing was similar with that. And also... They make the same line about it. Hayden Christensen, when he's talking to what's his name, Jamie Bell, ha has like the same thing where he says there's a there was these limited runs where the two heroes from two different stories would join up together. That's what I'm saying. Like they ripped off some stuff from that movie, which is a weird movie. To Maybe they figured not enough people saw that movie because it wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. I I do I do wonder what happened there at the end. Yeah, this well, movie smacks of the type of movie that went through weird rewrites and reshoots. Either that or it was like a six-hour movie where all of this stuff made sense at one point. <laughs> well, as it was, it was almost a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Like, yeah. it, it, I don't know. Because I didn't hear about this movie being plagued with production issues. No. I, 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 neither did I. I was one of those. It was, this one actually seemed like a pretty quick turnaround from the first time I heard about it to the time it was on screen. No, the, the, there was a very quick teaser way back and then nothing mm. forever until that trailer mm. interesting like jj abrams type of like mystery box actually oh i don't think I, I don't think i was a part of the original tease then what was it 
I think it was just a voiceover of him saying something about like uh, like I'm Mr. Glass and there was like a purple like the thing and it said glass with like the shattered like oh okay and like that was it and like everyone and I, he may have mentioned something about David Dunn or the Horde or something like that gotcha hmm. but I don't even think it was anything visual I think it was just a voiceover of like purple mood lighting <laughs> or something like that hmm. nice well I'd say it's about goddamn time that we weren't completely on the same page about something. Mm. It's been it's been a while since we've had one of those. Uh, I mean, I guess we kind of weren't really on the same page for Phantom Thread. Yeah, we were close enough. Were we? It was a delight. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it was. I, I just there was a lot more passion behind my hatred <laughs> for for it. Sure. Um, anyway, this I. I enjoyed it. I don't. It's not something that I would like encourage anyone to go see. I would. I. I did it. Like I said, I enjoyed Glass. I'm not gonna rewatch Unbreakable. I am likely not gonna rewatch Split unless I want to go back and watch it for some of James McAvoy's performance. Um, just cut up. Just find a cut up of like the greatest hits on YouTube. Yeah, that could. That could be. But that. That'll really. That'll really get you upset though. You, you don't like when he switches too too often. Uh, sure. <laughs> I meant for you, not for me. <laughs> That's fine. Awesome. Do you have any other any closing thoughts? No, that's about it. Cool. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. Thanks for joining us. Um, we will be back next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Al Thanks for coming out.